Amen. Oh, it's so good to be together. Hello, Lobby. Hey, Lobby. I can see you guys out there. Sooner than later, we're going to get some more chairs in this place. You can fit in this one. Hi, everybody at home on Facebook and, and, uh, and Zoom. Really glad to be together. This series we've been doing post-Easter is a series, if you think post-Easter, it's a series about restoration because post-Easter we wanted to live in the truth of resurrection power. That's what we celebrated. That's what we anticipated during Lent. And when we got to Easter, we proclaimed this is a God who raises the dead. This is a God who brings life. And so we thought about this series called Restoration, where we would look at all the ways in which God comes and restores what is lost and who brings us from death to life. And so this morning, the title is, um, we're going to talk about the God who restores hearts. The God who restores hearts. You know, absolutely our hearts are required for this journey. Our heart is the place of our deepest passion and conviction. It's where we, uh, we live out of our heart when we live for God. Jesus said the first and greatest commandment is that you would love the Lord God with all your what? Heart. That's where he started. It is, all, it is absolutely required for this journey. There's a proverb I want you to see. You may know it. It's Proverbs 4.23. It says this about the, the this is the, the um, uh, King Solomon's wisdom. And he says, listen, above all else. Man, when somebody says above all else, I, I pay attention. Well, there's a lot of words in here. Above all else? Okay. Above all else, his wisdom says, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Wow. Right? Do you resonate with that? Everything you do flows from your heart, your motivation, good, bad, mixed. Guard it because it's who you're going to be is what's in your heart. So our hearts are absolutely required for this journey. But I do not have to say this to anybody. I don't have to tell you. Our hearts take a hit. Our hearts take a hit. From what we do to ourselves, our hearts take a hit. From what the world does to us, our hearts take a hit. From what the enemy of our soul who hates the true us does to us, our hearts take a hit. And again, I, I don't have to remind us of that. When we, and so then when we lose heart, it is such a struggle. You talk about running or exercise or eating well. You know, you're like, okay, I got a heart to do this, right? And when you start to lose heart, you get injured. You, you realize you're not seeing any progress. You're eating well and you're running and you drop exactly zero pounds, right? You're like, okay, never mind. When we lose heart, it feels like it's game over. And so the enemy comes after us to get us to lose our heart. And boy, have we taken, has our hearts taken hits this year? And as I started reflecting on how our hearts have taken such hits this year, both the things, again, we've done to ourselves and the things that has hap- have happened to us, when I started thinking about the hits that our hearts have taken this year, I started realizing, actually, I think those are hits our hearts have taken over and over and over again. I, I think that's life. You know, f- facing our mortality, fear of sickness, really living with this anxiety inside that maybe life would become uncomfortable or, or that we would suffer in some way and not wanting to live through those difficulties, financial stress and impact, or just living in the fear of that grief due to loss, loss of people, loss of activities, loss of routine, loss of relationships. You guys, those, those things happen to us all our lives. 
And the emotional fallout of social distancing has just beat our hearts up. And the best of us has not been around for a while. And then I realized, man, that's a temptation all the time to isolate <laughs> and stay away from deep and intimate and true relationships with others where the real us shows up. And so this is the kind of thing that our heart has been uh, um, under attack over and over and over again for probably all of our lives. But we serve a God who restores. We serve a God who keeps bringing life from death, who keeps bringing beauty from ashes. And so relative to our hearts, I want to preach two simple points today. One, he restores hearts that have lost their way. He restores hearts that have lost their way. This God of restoration brings resurrection power to keep restoring the hearts that have wandered away or lost their way. And we need him to do this, church, because we are people who are prone to wander. Come on now. Can I get a testimony in the house? We wander off. Sometimes we just flat out turn tail and run off in our relationship with God. It's what we do if we're honest for all kinds of reasons. It's hard to admit that sometimes, sometimes we know it absolutely that we're wandering away from God and that we've gotten far away from God and we know it. And other times it's actually can be hard for us to recognize it because we sort of still talk the talk, you know, we're praying at dinner, we're in our community group or, you know, we identify ourselves. We just know like, oh, I'm a Christian. I got my Bible on the bedside. And, you know, sometimes we can just sort of keep going and not realize that we've wandered far from him. And times of stress create that kind of a dynamic for us it can. At one point in Jesus' ministry, he was talking with religious leaders, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and they were all spun up about how Jesus' disciples were following the law and about their ceremonial uh, um, holiness. And they were just, they, they, were, they were getting it all wrong, these guys. And they were fearful, these Pharisees and these teachers of the law, they were fearful that their religion was getting dishonored. They were fearful that God was going to be somehow um, dishonored. They, they, they were afraid that all the changes in their world and the political system and all of the, the, the Roman occupation and all those kinds of things, there's a lot going on in their life, not to mention the new teaching by Jesus about religion. They were afraid that the whole thing was going to cause their way of life to come crashing down on them. They felt this risk about the life that they'd built. Now, come on now, that, that's something we can all relate to. But when they started questioning Jesus about this in this conversation and all this pain and insecurity, apparently they had wandered from the truth. And so Jesus calls them out with the words that Isaiah had, had uh, shared that God had said from Isaiah 29. But this is in Matthew 15. Jesus says, look at Isaiah was right about you when he prophesied this. He said, these People honor me with their lips. Read it with me if you can see it. But their hearts are far from me. You see, we can continue to sort of acknowledge that we're believers in Christ. We can continue to be churchgoers. We can continue to have this identity of being Christians, but we can wander away and our hearts can actually become distant from God. Hebrews 12 talks about it, it says, calls it the sin that so easily entangles. It happens to us. We wander off. 
That great hymn that I mentioned before that I alluded to, great hymn of the church, Come Thou Fount, gives us these words, and every Christian resonates with it every time this has been sung throughout the generations. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. What is wrong with me? But that happens. Our hearts wander off. There's lots of reasons why our hearts wander off and lose their way. We we fear our whole life sort of collapsing around us. And so we start to grasp and cling and be in control rather than trust God. We maybe have had our hearts broken in the past. And so we gird up. Sometimes we take our hurt and our pain and rather than coming and encountering God, we shove it into a deep, dark place. And so we're not being real. And that causes us, our hearts, to be away from God in denial. Sometimes in our flesh, we just grasp for any kind of comfort and pain that might help in the difficulty that life is or maybe might numb it for a little while. And then there's a big one, too, that in our our ever-present susceptibility to believe the lie of scarcity, we wonder if God's going to be enough, and we actually wonder if he's even present or sees me or paying attention, and so we end up just going, well, I'm going to have to actually live like he doesn't exist. Think about that. That's God-less-ness. And so our hearts, of course, are far from him if we decide we're going to live without him. All of those things produce the same fruit in our lives that we wander far from our shepherd. We wander far from the truth. And so we remove ourselves from God's will and God's care. How could we be wholehearted if we keep wandering away from the God who fills our hearts? Man, this is just a thing. It, it happens to us. One more thing about it before we turn the corner and talk about this God who will restore our hearts. There's another example of this wandering away. Paul, in writing to his mentee, Timothy, he sums this up. He's addressing the specific um, uh, sin of, of materialism, of greed, of love for money. But look at the words he uses in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. For the love of money Because you know what? That's godlessness. It's believing that we're taking care of ourselves. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. Look at that. And what happens? They've pierced themselves with many griefs. They've wandered away thinking, I got to take care of myself. Listen, you may not think you're greedy, and that verse always is like, oh, that's for people who love money. I don't love money. Look at, but what we do is we think, I got to take care of myself. Times are tough, and I don't know if God's going to come through. And so we wander from the faith, it says, and pierce ourselves with many griefs. Man, we're like a cow or a sheep who wanders from tuft to tuft of green grass looking, and there's another one, and, well, there's another one, and there's another one over there. And until they look up and they've gotten so far from the shepherd that they put themselves in jeopardy and in danger of the wolves that are out on the fringes and pierce themselves with many griefs, the text says. We wake up, friends, like that and find our hearts are far from Jesus. Wow. Well, we've caused damage to ourselves and to others by wandering away. We've pierced ourselves. A lot of us can tell stories 
about our own lives. Well, we can tell stories about other people, that's a little easier, but we can also tell stories of our own lives, about how we've wandered away from God for seasons, for a day or a week or a month or a year, or in some cases, decades. Each one of those people could preach the story about the grief that that caused as they were far away from, their hearts were far away from God. Wow. So it is incredible news that he restores hearts that have lost their way, right? He restores hearts that have lost their way. You see, he has made a way for our hearts to always return to him. As the people of God, because our sins have been forgiven by the grace of Jesus, because of the work done on the cross, there's no condemnation for us. There's nothing separating us from God except our own choice to wander away. And therefore, if we choose to come back, we've been given the privilege to come home into a relationship with God. We, like the prodigal son, can say, I don't feel like I'm worthy to be called your son or your daughter. I feel no longer worthy. I've sinned against heaven and against you. But the father waits to embrace us back into a relationship with him. Is this word for you today? I want to invite you home if you've wandered off. There is one person listening in the 150 people in this room and the however many people are online. There's one person at least who's like, my heart has taken a hit because I've walked away from God. Is that your story? Even a little bit today. I'm going to invite you to come home. He's made a way. This is a God who will restore your heart back to him in the moment that you in faith say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Come on now. Thanks be to God. He restores the hearts that have wandered and lost their way. Second, he restores the brokenhearted. He restores the brokenhearted. This is the second point after. Yep, he restores those who lost their way, but he restores the brokenhearted. And this is, the, this is those who through no fault of their own have gone through some stuff. Their heart has taken a hit. I said earlier, the heart is absolutely required for this journey, and the Bible makes that clear, but the Bible also makes it clear, and the way Jesus talks to us and teaches, that there's an expectation that our hearts can be broken. The brokenness of this world, the enemy that comes after us, our heart takes hits from that. The losses we sustain this side of heaven where there's still death and sickness and tears and fear and darkness, we take hits from that day in and day out because we're this side of the kingdom coming in its fullness. Think about the words of Jesus, the tender words of Jesus. It says, come to me, you who are weary and burdened. I'm going to give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Come. I'll give rest for your souls. You, you hear, you feel that sense that Jesus knows what hits our heart have taken. So weary, so burdened. What about you? What about you today? What about you this week, this year, or maybe again for a whole season of your life? What hits 
have you taken? Listen, I know what we want to do with those hits. I know we want to look around the room and go, everybody seems like they're doing okay, so I'm going to stuff that grief somewhere down deep. I'm going to pretend I'm doing okay. I'm going to say the words that I believe God is good, but I honestly don't know that I feel it because my heart is broken. What it, it's not going to be hard for you to identify the hit you've taken right now, this season, recently. You know it. You carry it. It's gotten smashed, broken, exhausted. But the promise of God is clear, that he restores the brokenhearted. Look at Psalm 147.3 with me. He heals the brokenhearted, and he binds up their wounds. Put that up on the screen for me, would you? Micah, Psalm 147.3, I want you to see the word of the Lord, friends. This is the promise of God. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. You know, the word for brokenhearted, it it literally means smashed, crushed, broken into pieces. Um, We would say blown to bits or blown to smithereens. You know what it is? It it means we're disintegrated. It's like our heart has just fallen completely apart and there's no substance left there. That's what happens. And if our heart is required for the journey, what do we do without our heart? We have to depend on this God who comes and heals the brokenhearted. We're not whole, but he comes to reintegrate us. He, in his tenderness, gathers up like a broken vase all of the pieces, and his miraculous hands puts them all together and makes our hearts whole. My friends, without that hope, we are lost. That is what only he can do. That is what only he can do. And the text says from Psalm 147.3, and he binds up our wounds. Is that the best He wraps the wounds and applies his healing balm to it. He's the healer who restores us. This is our only hope for our broken hearts and for our broken world. And it's the truth that we proclaim as we say this is a God who restores hearts. When we wander away, he restores us back to himself. When our hearts get broken, he rebuilds them and heals them. One more place this is shown, at least, is in Psalm, uh, Isaiah 61. These are the words of the, that, uh, of, of the Messiah's ministry. Jesus quoted much of this passage in Luke chapter 4, talking about himself. It starts this way. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. This is what the Savior is going to be. Because the Lord has anointed me, the Savior says, to proclaim good news to the poor. I'm just about to get to the part you have, you have on the screen. He has sent me... Isaiah 61 says, to bind up the brokenhearted. It's the same word exactly from Psalm 147. Um, This brokenhearted piece, hang on there, uh, guys in the back. I'm not quite there yet. I want to make sure we don't miss this Isaiah 61 piece. The spirit of the Lord is on me. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Now the verse in front of you. To comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. Go ahead and put that back up, David, so we can see the text. To provide for those who grieve in Zion. Look at to what he's going to do. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. 
You see, all of those other things, this is the ashes. Oh, let me read that last part. They will be called then, they, us. When God bestows these things on us, when he knits up our heart, they will be called oaks of righteousness, right? Rooted, established, powerful, a planting of the Lord for the display of what? Of God's splendor. The glory will go back to God. Now listen, come back to me here. He restores the broken hearted. The ashes are about mourning. It's about disfiguring ourselves. That's what they would do when they were mourning. They would, cut, they would say, look at, this is how miserable life is. Look at me. But a crown and the oil and the garment of praise, that's all about getting ready for a joyous festival. This is the God who restores us. So thanks be to God that he restores the brokenhearted by dressing the wounds with his healing balm, by putting the pieces back together. Is this your need this morning? Is this your need that your heart has been broken, shattered, disintegrated, crushed, bruised, and are you acknowledging today that you've taken some hits and you need this healing and reintegration? Then let us, friends, as we turn our hearts toward worship, let us cry out with the psalmist. This is from Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you, my rock and my redeemer. Listen, join me in this prayer. Is this the cry of your heart, church? You wipe away every tear. You bestow joy for sadness. You clothe in a garment of praise instead of despair. You turn my mourning into dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. You're the only one who can. So we turn to you and lay our hearts before you, Jesus. Restore our hearts.